Kingdom Manifesto, last week we talked about, and we actually read the scriptures, the last words of Jesus in that sermon, okay? So we wrapped it up. If, if you are just kind of new or maybe you've missed a lot of weeks, I would highly recommend you go back on Spotify or on YouTube, and you could watch all, all the sermons that we've, uh, we've taught here over the last few weeks. And uh, that's up to you, though. But uh, what we're doing today is we are wrapping up the kind of the, the whole thought of the Kingdom Manifesto. And the, the, the thing that we're going to talk about today is surrendering to Christ's authority. At the end of his sermon, Jesus tells us that we have a choice to make, right? We talked about that last week. We have a choice to make. And much of this decision comes down to whether or not we believe that Jesus is ultimately the highest authority. You know, uh, our daughter, she's four years old, and I don't know where she kind of picked this up at, but um, she, 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 she calls a lot of people Karen, and um, <clears throat> she didn't pick it up from me. But um, and so what? Ha- or, or Nadine? No, of course not. No, we're good parents. But anyway, <laughs> what she says is she started saying this about six months ago. She's like, she's like, um, Karen. You know, she says something about Karen, and then she's like, uh, let me speak to your manager. You know, so she does the whole thing, right? But what happens whenever somebody asks for the manager? They want somebody with more authority. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you're on the phone. Like, I want to talk to your supervisor. You know, uh, well, I am the supervisor. I want to talk to the owner. I kind of am the owner, too. You know, like, who do you go to whenever you're talking to the one with the most authority? Nobody. And in this, in this situation here, Jesus is sharing the things that he's sharing, and he's the one with the most authority. There is no manager to go to. There is no supervisor above him, right? And so whenever he's the highest ultimate authority, we have a decision to make on whether we're going to obey, right, or receive his commands or reject him. And that's kind of the big idea of what we're talking about today. So let's pick up uh, chapter 7, verse 28. It says, and when Jesus finished these sayings, all right, he's done with the sermon, all right, everybody knows, right? He, he, it's, the, it's the bow your heads, close your eyes moment of the sermon. <laughs> Nobody? Like, you, know, you know the sermon's done whenever the pastor's like, bow your heads, close your eyes. Anyway, whenever he finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Not as their scribes. Have you ever been ultimately shocked by the words that somebody has said. Maybe it is something your kids say that you're very embarrassed about. You're astonished that they would actually say what they said in that moment. Or, or maybe somebody shares something and they provide a lot of clarity in something that you've been confused in. And it, and it really, it takes you back because you're like, I've never heard it put that way. It is, it's astonishing. It's amazing. And these people, they've heard teachings from the scribes, all right, the religious leaders. They've heard teachings from the word of God, from the Old Testament for many, many years. But Jesus comes and he says it differently. And he says it with authority. Authority. And so the scribes, you know, they were, they were very intelligent men and they, they taught very well. But one thing that they would do is they would, they would quote or they would refer to other scribes or, or, or the, you know, other teachers. And they would quote other people, much like we do, okay, much like we do. A lot of Sundays, we'll, we'll put quotes up there on the screen from, from different teachers or whatever. And that's, that's great. It's sort, of, it's sort of 
words things a certain way or, or brings a certain backing to some of the things that we're saying, right? We, we quote scripture, we cross-reference scripture to, to bring authority to the things that we're saying. Jesus, though, he brings it himself. <laughs> he's not quoting some theologian from 5, 10, 50, 500 years ago. He's not, he's not doing all those things. He's bringing the authority straight from the throne of God. I'm not, I'm not up here speaking in my own authority today, right? I'm, I'm, we're, we're looking at the word of God. We're speaking about the word of God. I'm not up here, you know, redefining the scriptures to you. You know, that, that's not what I do. I, I just, I, I kind of carry it and, and, and teach it and hand it to you. Jesus, though, he's redefining. He's reclarifying. He's bringing a new way of thinking to these, these, these Old Testament scriptures. He's, he's redefining the law. Remember, we talked about the heart of the law in the beginning of this series. He, he brings an angle that many people have never, uh, has never heard of. And so he taught the word with authority. He didn't abolish the law. He didn't abolish the word, right? He clarifies it. He reveals the heart of it. And this was a unique authority that only God could have. And the people recognized it. They recognized it. It's like I've been in church my whole life, but yet that was different. Right? That's, kind of, that's kind of what's going on in this moment. And uh, the, the point here is that Jesus didn't have some authority. Jesus had all authority, and he still has all authority. Authority is jurisdiction or dominion over a certain realm. right? And that's what Jesus has in this, in this time. And that's what he's displaying. And the, the, the authority that he has was given to him by the Father. All authority is given from God. And so Jesus has this authority from the Father. We read this in Matthew eleven twenty seven. It says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Now, we read these scriptures and we sort of get used to them. If you've been in church a long time and, and I read that scripture, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, that's that scripture that, you know, in Sunday school or whatever, I've heard my whole life. All authority has been given to me. All things are under my feet. have been handed to me by the Father. All right, go on. Do you realize how offensive it is that Jesus would say this in the time that he's saying it. See, we believe Jesus is Lord. We just sang a song, Jesus over everything. The people that are listening to him say these words, some of them are not quite sure yet, and some have deemed him as a heretic, as a, as a blasphemer, you know, it's like to, to take him out. And he's here stating, I have all authority. Matthew 28, 18, this is after Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Jesus does not have some authority. Jesus is not just a good teacher, right? We've talked about that mindset of, of Jesus just being a good teacher. He, he, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was a Lord, okay? He, it's kind of hard to just put him as a, as a good teacher or a good prophet. He claimed to be God, and either he was or he wasn't. And we believe that he was and that he still is. And so he has all authority. But what does Jesus have authority to do? I want to throw a few things your way. Jesus has authority, number one, to deliver. Mark 1, And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Did you guys know that Jesus has all authority even over unclean spirits, over the demonic realm? 
Whenever you read the book of Mark, you can read a lot of instances where Jesus would walk up and people who were demon-possessed would immediately recognize. The demon in them would recognize the authority of Christ. Many times they would, they would almost like shriek and say, like, go away, you know, go, like, leave us alone, Jesus. There was, a, there was a different authority that he walked in that the other scribes and Pharisees and other religious leaders and all the other people, they didn't have. And so whenever he came on the scene, he came with the authority to deliver people from those evil spirits. And evil spirits are real. Um, the demonic realm is real. It's not just a Stephen King movie or whoever else, right? It, it, that's not, we watch movies and it sort of dilutes the, that, that realm to us at times, but the demonic is real, and it's funny because a lot of times we think of the demonic and we think of demons being like in Africa or wherever else, right? Not here. We, we talk to missionaries or whoever from like Mexico, the mountains of Mexico, and they tell us these crazy stories of like people turning into rabbits or whatever, you know? And, and we're like, oh, that, that's, you know, that's Alice in Wonderland or something weird. You know, that's not, that's not real stuff. And it's like, no, no, that, that is real. Those things do happen, but like good Americans because we don't see it. We don't really believe in it. And, and this is what happens. I think that the demonic realm is just different for us. Where we might not have people doing certain things, right? We, we have demonic spirits, I believe, that attack us emotionally. I believe that it's influencing us in different ways. Now, not everything is a demon, okay? Because some people go all the way to the other extreme and it's like they get a cold and they're like, I have the demon of the common cold right now. It's like, no, you might, somebody might have just sneezed on you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there, is, there is that. But at the same time, as Christians, we talk about having discernment, right? And sometimes in your life, you must be able to discern whether or not this is just a struggle, something you're walking through, maybe a season, or whether this is an attack from the enemy. This past week, there was something that... Um, I want to kind of remove details. Uh, there's something that was, that was going to be happening at a certain time. And it was a big, big deal for me. It's a big deal. And I was literally preparing to go and, and, and do this. And about an hour ahead of time, I was on the phone with someone who, and we were having a very intense conversation. And it was offsetting, I'll, I'll put it that way, offsetting the, the, the mission that I was headed to, do, to go and do, if I could say it that way. I was headed to do something, and, and this conversation was at the perfect time to just destroy the confidence and the, the joy of what was about to take place. And, um, and I was attacked. I was not just attacked by the conversation. I was attacked spiritually. And, and if you've been through these moments in your life, you know whenever you're in a moment where you're battling something, and it's not just, you know, bad pizza, <laughs> all right? And I was in the midst of that, and literally, I was just talking to God, and I'm like, God, this is, this is how it happens, huh? <laughs> like, this is it. I wasn't smiling, though. I was very angry. <laughs> I was very upset. What, what is that? I don't think that was coincidence. Matter of fact, that I know it wasn't. I know it was an attack that sought to throw me off from what it is that God had me to go do. Sometimes 
It's not just a struggle. It's an evil spirit. It's an evil, it's, a, it's an attack of the enemy. But Jesus came to deliver. He has the authority to deliver us from those moments. We must lean into him though, right? Jesus also has the authority to judge. John 5, 27, he's given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. That's who Jesus is. He has authority to judge and what we've done in this series is we, if we've, show, we've shown how Jesus is setting the bar for what it means to be a disciple of, of Christ. Everybody said, oh, yeah, I follow Jesus, I follow Jesus. He's like, well, okay, let's talk about what it really means to follow Jesus. And probably a lot of people at that point walked away because they were like, I don't want to do that right there. He sets the bar very high because he lived in the holiness and he could execute judgment because he's lived the proper way, right? He is God to execute that judgment. But aren't you thankful that Jesus also has the authority to forgive? Come on. Whew. He judges, but he also forgives. There's a story in Mark 2. Uh, it's, it's the story where the friends bring their, their, their sick friend and they, they lower, th lower him through the roof of the, um, of the house that Jesus was teaching in because there was no room. And we're going to pick up in verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now let's just pause. The guy is obviously paralyzed. He gets lowered down. He's like, you guys are really full of faith that I can heal this man. And because of that, I will forgive your sin. Can you imagine the guy holding the rope on the roof? Uh, Jesus, I think you missed it. That's not, <laughs> that's not what we're going for here. You know what I'm saying? He's like, son, your sins are forgiven. So, verse 6, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who could forgive sins but God alone? Right? Who can forgive sins except God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit, come on, there's that discernment, that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? He was, he was testing something in their hearts of whether they truly believed that he had all authority and authority to forgive. I love this part. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, and he proves that he has the authority to heal in this next part. In verse 11, he says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So he forgives his sins. He tests the scribes, right, which works out perfectly because that's what the scribes, we're going to learn here in a second. The scribes were always questioning Jesus. And so they're sitting there listening to him teach, but also questioning him. He discerns that and he says, hey, I'm going to forgive his sin. They're going to question me. And then I'm going to prove that I have the authority to forgive or to forgive by then healing him at will. Okay, Jesus was a little cocky, y'all, at times. He had, next point, Jesus has all authority to be cocky at times, okay? <laughs> but you see the pattern there that he did that in. Everybody thought he was going to heal him physically, and he, he made a big point. He also makes a big point in this, that, guys, listen, it's more important for our sins to be forgiven than for our body to be healed. 
Jesus healing your physical body does not prove that he loves you more or less or has forgiven your sins. Here, Jesus, I believe, sets a priority. He says, I know that you want to be healed physically, but there's something more important. Your soul needs to be healed. Your sins need to be forgiven. He has authority to forgive. He has authority to heal. And we believe that here. We believe that Jesus can heal people's physical bodies. We believe that Jesus can heal people's emotional, uh, their mind, their wills, their, their emotions. We believe that Jesus can heal us holistically. That's right. Why? Because he did it in the word of God. And he says that we will continue to see this happen. There's not a pattern that, that you can click into in order to see it happen. I don't even, look, I pray for people to be healed. Sometimes we see something change. Sometimes we don't see the healing that we're looking for. But it does not affect my faith in God's ability to heal. Jesus has authority to heal. Jesus has authority to conquer death. Come on. Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys, I have the authority of death and Hades. Come on. Like, it's just, it's just so good. Whenever you read the word and, and you read scriptures like this, and, and maybe you're walking through a hard time or, or a difficult season where some of, some of the things that you believe, like Jesus has authority and, and has conquered death, are maybe being tested. Whenever you read the word of God, it encourages your faith. It challenges your doubt. A lot of times doubt is, is challenging faith, Right? But the word challenges your doubt. And that's why our faith is built by reading and hearing the word of God. And so if I, have, if I doubt God's ability and his plan, even in the things that we see going on in this world right now, I look back to a scripture like this and I read that Jesus is alive forever and that he has the keys. He has the ultimate authority over all the death and destruction and, and, and the sin that we see today. And my faith is renewed in him. That's what happens in the heart and the life of a believer. Your faith is encouraged by the word of God. And so Jesus has a, the authority to conquer death. He did. He conquered death himself. He, he laid his life down and he raised it back up. And those who are found in Christ are going to experience the same thing. The dead in Christ will rise again. It's our hope. It's what we believe. That this world is not the end. And that when you die, your energy doesn't be, it's not recreated into some other life form. And if you were good, you'd go up in the, you know, the whole thing. And if you're bad, you go down and you're a bug. I don't know. People believe that. We don't believe in that. We believe that we, our souls will live forever. Our souls will live forever. forever. And so we want to find ourselves in Christ but like always, Jesus' authority was challenged. And we just kind of alluded to that with the scribes. Oftentimes, Jesus' authority was met with resistance. Why? Because of rebellion. Because of rebellion against God's authority. And, and listen, rebellion against God's authority has always been. The, the, the time that we're living in right now, where it seems to some people like everybody's against God, and there's, there's, there's like a, the highest amount of rebellion against God's authority now than there ever has been, is just not true. Mankind has always rebelled 
against God. And it comes from the enemy. It's sin. And so the scribes, now we rip a lot on the Pharisees. We rip a lot on the scribes and the Sadducees. We do. We rip them a lot. And, and rightfully so, right? However, at times, I think we miss the fact that, that we in this room might have been the same exact way. We might have been the same exact way. If we would have heard some guy come out and start saying that he's God and that he can forgive sin and he's doing all this stuff, I just believe that a lot of people would struggle with that. Even people who eventually believed in Jesus, a lot of the times they had to struggle through this, this phase of like, okay, Lord, like, explain to me again what you're talking about. I mean, I heard you the first 75 times, but can you say it 76 times? Because I'm not quite sure. John the Baptist, I think it's very powerful. He's in prison, and he has his disciples go and, and get Jesus and talk to Jesus and say, ask him, is he the one? Is he, is he really the one? And Jesus says, absolutely. And he tells them what's happening. And he says, these things are taking place and they're fulfilling prophecy. Jesus was and is the one, but his authority a lot of people have trouble with. We read here in Mark 11, they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they say to him, and, and by the way, they're trying to trap Jesus right here. They say, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Now, these guys would hang out a lot, the scribes and the Pharisees. And they, would, they would come up with questions to ask Jesus to trap him. They were very manipulative. And Jesus always knew what they were trying to do. And so Jesus, instead of answering their question, you can go read this at, at another time. Instead of answering their question, he asks them another question actually about John the Baptist. And, and, and he asks them a question that he knows they're not going to want to answer. Because he knows that they're going to entrap themselves. And so verse 33, Jesus answered, or they answered Jesus, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know the answer to your question either. And Jesus said to the, them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus' authority was rejected. The truth of Jesus was rejected. It was rebelled against. And, and I would like to say this. As Christians today, we should not be surprised whenever we as carriers, as ambassadors of Christ today, are also rejected. Church, we are not going to be accepted by the world. Your friends who are not believers and are not living a lifestyle in accordance to that, they might tolerate you potentially, but they're not going to like come over to your side of the fence, many of them. The Bible says that a, a lot of people are going to hate us for what we believe. And our response is love and kindness and pointing them to Jesus and the gospel our weapons are different than theirs. Jesus was rejected by men. And in many ways, we will also experience the same thing. Because it's not you that they're rejecting. Whenever I teach the Bible and people disagree with that and they post on Facebook their stuff, you know, I don't care. Because I didn't write the Bible. <laughs> I didn't. I'm just looking at it, reading it, and teaching it, and doing my best to obey it as well, <laughs> right? Come on. I mean, man, 
And what happens is people, especially nowadays with progressive Christianity and things, people are trying to, to redefine the Bible. They're trying to redefine what a biblical sexual ethic is, for instance. And they're trying to, trying to bring another angle. Well, you know, well, what did Jesus say? Well, what did this say? And, and the problem is, is there's a lot of people that just don't understand the word. But many people also, they are just rejecting what the Bible actually says. Picking and choosing. But they're actually rejecting the authority of the word of God. And we, we don't want to do that. So we've got to hold our ground with love and patience and grace. But we have to stand firm, standing in the authority of Jesus and the authority of the word. So what does Jesus have authority mean? What does it mean for us? Jesus having authority, what does it really mean for us? Well, i got three things, and then we're going to close. Number one, we as disciples of Christ, okay, as, as receiving the spirit of God upon salvation, we are given God's authority, number one, to co-labor in accomplishing the great commission, the mission of God. Can I, can I just say something to you if you don't hear anything I say for the rest of the time? As a disciple of Christ, you are automatically enlisted into the mission of God. You're not enlisted into the mission of Northwood Church. Okay, you're not enlisted to the mission of some man. You're enlisted into the mission of God. What is that mission? Well, we call it the Great Commission, and it's in Matthew 28. Now, this is the same scripture that we just read earlier about Jesus having authority. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But, so because of that, then he says, now you go, therefore. So he's, he's commissioning us out of his authority. He's commissioning us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you didn't know, as professing faith in Christ, as a disciple of Jesus, this is straight to you. You go, therefore, and you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and discipling them and teaching them to observe all the teachings of Jesus. We are commissioned in that. That should feel kind of like a weight of responsibility on you. And you know what? My question becomes, Lord, am I doing that? Am I actually acting out, playing out, involved in the Great Commission? The way that we say it here at Northwood Church, our mission statement, we tried, without just quoting this directly, we, we, sort, of, we sort of reworded this, and, and this is our mission statement, is that, that we exist to help people, to, to build Christ-centered communities, to help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. Like at the end of the day, every church building, like every, uh, not building, but every church gathering, every, every group of people that gather together in the name of Jesus, ultimately this is the main idea. There might be different expressions, which is awesome. There might be different ways of accomplishing those things. Jesus is with us and he's guiding us and there's different callings and, and, and purposes for different people and the ways that they do things. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's to make disciples. It's to baptize people. It's to help people understand the teachings of Jesus and help them live that out. So that's our mission. 
Matter of fact, today, uh, like we just said, we're having water baptisms. We have 11 people getting baptized, three of which from Freedom yesterday. Come on, we're excited about that. And these are people who say, I, I've decided to follow Jesus and I want to I let everybody know about that. I want to follow through in obedience of being, you know, raised up with Christ. And so today we're going to continue to accomplish that mission. Number two is this. We are given God's authority to seek and save the lost. Luke 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. How do we do that? Well, I can tell you this. I don't personally save people. All right. I don't have that authority. All right. But I can point them to the one who does. So we're carrying out the mission of Jesus, even to seek and save the lost. We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. Listen, y'all, the, the, the life that we have is found in Christ. And anything outside of that is, is typically pretty thin. Doesn't last very long. Kind of trendy, but not in a good way. That's why Paul said, I don't have much else to tell you other than Christ and Christ crucified. When, all, when it's all boiled down, that's it. And the life of a believer is boiled down to we're here to fulfill the great commission. We're here to continue the mission of Jesus, which is to seek and save the lost. For some of us, that just looks like sowing seeds. Sowing seeds of the gospel in people's hearts. Listen, y'all, the harvest as far as who comes to know Jesus, we're not in control of that. But you know what we are uh, in very, very involved in sowing the seeds of the gospel in the, in, the, in the lives and the hearts of the people that we're close to, our family, our friends, our community. We're very, very much involved in that. So feel that weight. But feel that weight with some passion attached to it, okay? Not just like, oh, I'm not really doing that very much. But like, no, I, I received that. I received that challenge. Because we have the authority to do that. God's given us that authority. The third thing is this, God has given the authority to destroy the works of the enemy. First John, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy. Spiritual warfare is something that uh, I tend to see some people either go like super deep into spiritual warfare and sometimes, sometimes get a little weird, okay? But then I see something over here that's I think even more dangerous, which is people that don't think they're in a war at all. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Do you understand that the enemy has a plan as well? To undermine and uproot any move of God in your own personal life, in, in the church, to undermine, to, to, to sow seeds of discord and deception. That's what he does. He wants to destroy our lives. He does. Now, he doesn't have all authority and all power. Well, let's not give him enough credit there. Too much credit, okay? But he does have power, and he can affect a lot of people. But those who are in Christ, we are covered in the blood of Jesus. We're, we're covered in his righteousness. We're protected by him. And so we have a greater authority. Uh, I have a mental picture sometimes when people sort of think that they have a lot of authority. And it's sort of like, I want you to picture like the whole, you know, like, uh, at school, like at recess, you got the you got the group of bullies, you know, and they're like they're picking on the kid, and the kids like get kind of getting beat up, and and all of a sudden the kid like starts kind of pushing back a little bit and and saying stuff, and and then all of a sudden the, the row of bullies kind of like all of a sudden they go like you know, and they start backing away and they take off running, and you know that little that little guy's like yeah, 
Yeah, you know, come back another time. Like, see, like, there's more where that came from. You know? And then he turns around, like, like, it's his high school brother, like, standing behind him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's actually why all the guys ran away. And um, I think sometimes it's funny because I'll hear people talk about, like, the authority that they have in Christ. And, and it's really what they're trying to talk about. But they talk about it in a way that makes it sound like they have the authority, like, the actual power in themselves that they are the one who like I speak my word and I and I and I and at the very end just like oh and in Jesus name yeah that's all of course it's in Christ it's like man you talk a lot about yourself we don't have power in and of ourselves we have none everything that we do every prayer that we pray Every word that we speak, all of it, it's all done. And the only reason it's of value is because of Jesus and his authority and the life and the power that he gives us. We're just vessels, y'all. We're not little gods, okay? We don't have that. It's all in Christ. But we have the power to pray. We have the power, the responsibility to pray and to warfare and be and be. Be protected, right? Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, when it talks about the armor of God, right? To, to be protected by the things of God. It's not our own armor. It's the armor that we have in Jesus. And it's the, it's the way that we see people's lives transformed and set free. Yesterday, we had freedom. And we just had a few conversations with people. And it was funny. Couple, one couple... Uh, been in church for many, many, many years, like many years, not this church, but, uh, but they've just been, they've been saved for many, many years. And uh, we were talking about the, the day and they said, um, you know, there was a lot of teachings that once it, when it started, I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Got that down pat. And about halfway through, we were like, oh my, <laughs> you know, the, the silt in the pond was being stirred up and it's, oh, there's still mud down there, you know. What, what, are, what is that? It's, it's the works of the enemy trying to undermine, trying to lay dormant until a time that, that you really engage in war and, and, and you go and you have no footing because you didn't know you were deceived and you thought everything was okay. We talked last week about being grounded in Christ, being grounded in Christ. And I want to encourage all of you to check your heart, to check your life. Am I grounded in Christ? And also this, am I grounded in Christ's authority? Or am I trying to like shoot from the hip in this life? Am I just trying to make it? Am I, am I you know, am I living week to week kind of like, oh, oh, uh, uh, you know, walking on the eggshells in my faith? Or am I, am, I, am I finding myself rooted and grounded in Christ? I want to give you the opportunity to check your heart, check your life. Let the Holy Spirit search your heart right now. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we invite you here in our hearts and in our lives to, to convict us. God, those places in our hearts where we are really leaning into our own strength, we're leaning into our own authority, our own ability. And God, right now, we repent of that. We ask, God, that you would forgive us for having spiritual pride in those areas. God, for walking away from the truth of the gospel and beginning to find hope in ourselves and not in you. Lord, right now where we have maybe been deceived, walking in deception in these areas, God, I'm praying that you, you enlighten our hearts and our minds. 
Jesus, just like the crowd was astonished by the way that you taught because their eyes were opened up to what you were really saying. God, I'm praying that in our lives that our eyes would be opened up to another degree. God, help us to walk in your authority, to be delivered, to be healed, to be forgiven. For some today, that's, that's actually where you need to start is asking God and allowing God to search your heart and then, and then allowing him to forgive you, asking him to forgive you of all unrighteousness. It's not, it's not necessarily about what you've done. It's about what you were born into. The Bible says we were born into sin. We were born apart from, from God. And so the only way to be reconciled to him is through faith in Jesus, confessing with our mouth, believing in our hearts that he is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. So right now, if that's you and you want to get saved, you, know, you, you want to surrender your heart to God, just say, Lord, I, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin, that you would redeem my life. I believe in you. I give you all that I am today. I surrender everything before you. Take my life and use my life for your glory.